Tanse, Oki, hello, and welcome to Ancestral Science. We are a group of Indigenous scientists, educators, and artists who want to further explore and share the depth of science within Indigenous knowledges and bring together global Indigenous sciences for sustainability and relationality. Our ancestors had complex and diverse relationships with science for generations so that they could thrive within the circle of life and alongside the land. We continue to learn from these ancestors who are not only humans, but trees, animals, plants, and the cosmos, who continuously gift us knowledge so that we can all work together towards a more relational and sustainable world for the next seven generations. My name is Corey. My mother's ancestors are Cree Métis from Big Prairie, which is up in Northern Alberta. My father's ancestors are Polish-Ukrainian, so my mixed heritage is really reflected in this ongoing exploration of relational science through multiple experiences, senses, and worldviews. Each episode has unique Indigenous science merch, so see the show notes for that link or go to relationalsciencecircle.com forward slash shop. And all of those profits go towards following protocols of tobacco, an honoraria for elders and knowledge keepers that we get to speak to on this podcast, as well as towards editing. So thank you to the talented Emil Starlight for helping with that. And all of this just keeps this podcast going. And if you learn something from any of these episodes, which I'm sure you're going to, and you're probably going to want to share it and talk about it with your friends, because that's what we do. Uh, we just ask you to please respect protocols. And what this means here is, quote, cite your resources. So any of the things that you learn here today, connect that with the elder or the knowledge keeper that it came from, as well as the community and the lands that they're from. And this just allows for that knowledge to continue to stay with that elder and to stay in community. So with that, hi, hi, and I hope you enjoy. Are you ready for Ancestral Science Podcast? First two-part episode? Yeah. So I sat down and chatted with Siksika astrophysicist Rob Cardinal. We chatted about holistic science, quantum, woo-woo. Yeah, that's a phrase. I love it. I'm going to use it more regularly. I don't know in what circumstances, but I'm going to try. Uh, frequencies and spirit within quantum and the emission absorption spectra. Everything is a reflection. Rocks never make mistakes. And of course, of course, the one electron universe. So even after all of this, for some reason, I mean, I'm not surprised, but we never even got a chance to ask, what is science to you? Which is how we start every episode. And not only that, the whole conversation actually was going to revolve around indigenous ways of knowing and AI, which uh, we never got to either. So hence why we need a two-part episode. One more thing, uh, my apologies. We're still working out some, uh, some tech issues and everything here. Also, being new at this, you know, we're all here to make some mistakes and that's okay. There actually was a second half of this episode that was all good. We had a great conversation and uh, was so into it that I forgot to click record. Uh, yeah, it happens that what has happened here. But thank you, Rob, for you know not being angry and, and still persevering and moving on and recording it again. Uh, but as we say, you know, it was it was not meant to be, and what was recorded was supposed to be recorded. So enough waiting. Here we go. I'd like to introduce Siksika astrophysicist, Rob Cardinal. Hey, Rob. Okay, Corey, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Fantastic today, thank you. Yeah. Awesome. 
Would you like to introduce yourself however you'd like in your own way? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Oki. Uh, Oki, Corey. It's a beautiful day. Um, I'm from Sixaga. My name is Rob Cardinal in the West here. And in our language, I'm known as Star Chief. Kakatosina. Natanako Kakatosina. And uh, I'm super honored and, um, you know, endowed with some responsibility with that name. And that is really top of mind. And so I, I love to just say it and just remember that this is what's happening. <laughs> it's a it's a name that's very fitting, I think. Well, you know, now now that we can take our names back, our traditional names, mm-hmm. um, following my maternal grandmother's family's side, I would be Good Eagle. So Star Chief Good Eagle sounds extremely contrived to me. <laughs> it sounds like something out of a movie. It's, it's Embrace ridiculous. it. Embrace I it. do. I do. I'll just say it in black, but it's good. <laughs> so, yeah. How are you doing? What are we doing? We're going to talk talk about ancestral science. We're going to talk about ancestral science. How's that? That's just fantastic. (laughs) Took a long time to get that name. It's uh, yeah, no, that's a beautiful. I was it's really nice. It was uh, Juan Carlos and I trying to figure that out and Mm. thinking about uh, us as as messengers, really, as and connectors of different uh, knowledges, not just between ourselves and and our human ancestors, but also learning from the ancestors of, you know, of the land, of the the stars, as you've been talking about, as well as the the trees and animals and everything. So, so that's just you know learning from all that is around us. So, and so, learning science about all that is around us. So, I know some of the simplest things have taught me you know some really deep things and they've been natural things stones in particular have have led my thinking in ways um that 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 have brought me to to clearer understanding Uh, like literally just thinking about stones and and really what they mean and and how they got there and all that kind of stuff and then being so i mean they're i'm so fond of stones i got them all around me and on my deck and I just pick up stones all over the place. That's what we don't, I know a lot of people don't think of stones as uh, something that's something that is animate or with spirit, never mind being an ancestor. So it's a, well, before I ever had that kind of, um, you know, where there's a mindset, these are alive or not. You know, I always talk, you know, as a child, like everything's alive, right? Like in your cartoons, in your books, everything's alive, has a happy face and, <laughs> you know, and and so, and I would have conversations with stuff and my cat, you know, and my dog of and the course, horses. Yeah. I love talking to horses. Yeah. They, they would listen for hours. They were awesome. <laughs> but honestly, and so I, you know, stones, I've always had an affinity ever since I was young. Always picking them up and having them and holding them, and and not really knowing why, and just uh, they're just always. I felt friendly. I always felt like they're really yeah. friendly. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of weird because they're hard and scary if they're falling. <laughs> it's it's something that's very familiar with the you know a lot of kids play with stones or collect stones or 
Well, they're just so fascinating. Yeah. Like they're so hard and permanent. And, you know, they're really the most hardest permanent thing in our natural world mm-hmm. that we see around us. And and that's fascinating. The age, like I think it's really the timeline, the time scale that I'm holding this result of like this, you know, and of course I didn't know anything about the carbon cycle or plate tectonics or anything, but just, I knew it was old. I knew it was like, it's old as the hills or older than hills, you know, older than hills. Yeah. 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 Cool. Little did I know that it, you know, some of it predated the sun or itself, you know, get ahead of ourselves, which I, okay. which I love. We'll get there. <laughs> so that was an aside on my friendly, <laughs> friendly stones, friendly, friendly stones. stones. That yeah. can be uh, as we go through this. Uh, we'll we'll continue to think stone. about the title. Yeah. Oh, touchstone! <laughs> I'm going to write down friendly stone. I like it. Um, so I was trying to think about when we first met, and yeah. I feel like it was I phoned you in the middle of COVID, and. I remember you talked oh, to me for like an hour. <laughs> didn't we? We had met pre-COVID. I'm sure we had. I don't know. Maybe Would, I think we've met, but I don't think we had really had a conversation. So we didn't I, have the advisory. Yeah, I guess the advisory no. circle wasn't before COVID. Okay, is that a yeah. bizarre? Yeah. <laughs> it just yeah. feels it like seems, it's, it seems like it's been like five years, but it, it has not. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, um, but I, I, I honestly don't remember nowhere. the first. Yeah, you phoned me out of nowhere, and we yeah, phoned you out of nowhere, yeah. and then I asked you if you could be on the advisory circle. For those uh, who are unaware, uh, Rob Cardinal is part of the uh, advisory circle, uh, the Indigenous advisory circle at the Telsbrook Science Center in Calgary, Alberta, and has has been a part of that, I guess, since I've been there, because that's one of the first things I did since uh, twenty twenty. I think it was like. Summer 2020. We okay, I'll take phone, your word for it. Rob out of nowhere. Hey, you want to be a part of this? And then continue to have an amazing conversation. Uh, and here we are. I know. And you've <laughs> got like this PhD in Indigenous mathematics. And mathematics is the most fascinating thing to me. It, you know, right up there with quantum field theory. But mathematics is the bare bones of it all. And, and you and I have never really sat down and had a... And we've had many opportunities, I think... You know, but we've never sat down and had that philo- philosophical sort of talk about, you know, do we discover it? Do we find it? You know, do we invent it? All those kind of ideas. I've always been wanting to pick your brain about them. But oh, I'll no. have to start a podcast. Well, I was going to say, you on as a guest. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe this will be part one and then part two, we'll just flip it and then you can interview me. How's that? All right. Okay, done. Stay tuned, everyone, for part two. And then everything will be backwards. <laughs> <laughs> the anti-super symmetric mirror version of this. Yeah, there you go. Write that down too. <laughs> so as you were saying, as you know, being a part of not just Spark at, at Science Center, but also a part of Indigenous Team and a lot of different organizations. Uh, I was going to ask, what's the coolest thing or the most? Well, the coolest the thing, coolest thing you've done, or the coolest like, thing about meeting you is you. Honestly, the, okay. you're you're um, you're so much. You're so eager to have you know these great events and great times, and 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 they're really meaningful. They're all really. You know, and so I was I was thrilled to 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 meet you and and be able to to walk along together and on some of these, and they've been incredible. 
you know, teepees and telescopes. When we went to to Wilford Buck, you know, by yeah. Winnipeg, and that was just mind blowing. That was. Uh, we were talking to uh, Juan Carlos Chavez, uh, I think two episodes uh, ago, right. and we he were was actually there. talking about teepees and telescopes in Kanadaskis, which was right. the second time we did teepees and telescopes together. But yeah. the time before that, we were uh, outside of Winnipeg, uh, and I think we were. We had very late nights looking at the stars and having conversations in the pitch black with people. I remember coming up to me the next day and be like, oh, it was a great conversation. I'm like, I don't know. Who yeah, you are. It, your yeah. voice sounds really familiar. Exactly. That was that that is an interesting, I mean, just that alone was interesting mm-hmm. about it. That you knew people by their voice, but not by their by the sight. Yeah. Which is, you know, is completely di- different than normal. Yeah. Anyway, what about that? But yeah, those you know, so it was, and and, um, yeah, some of the pictures, the the talk, and those rattles, the Sisiguan that we received was just that. That went all the way back to my first, you know, recurring nightmare as a child, Mm -hmm. and um, and and it almost made sense of it. It well, it didn't almost; it completely made sense of it in a way that. Uh, that, that, that of course I had no inkling of for my entire life until I became involved with my community, with with my indigeneity, and with my spirituality, and mm. and, and it just brought it all so so neatly together. You know, I, for everyone, I was t- we uh, we were gifted these beautiful rattles by Wilfred Buck, uh, and to describe them, they're black, half black and half white, um, and what I forget what's the Cree name for them? Sisiguan. 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 It's. I think I remember me, him telling us the name, the the story of the how they. They, they were named and, and what their meaning was. And it was related to the, the, the words Sisiguan is, and I don't, I'm not a Cree, you know, um, linguist or at all, but that he said that it, um, it came, it, it came from the spring breakup that the sound that the ice made during the spring breakup. Yeah. 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 And so the, that connection was, was important. That, and I remember like, that part is, is significant for me because that's something you know, I grew up. Well, I was born up north uh, by the Peace River up north. And that's something I vividly remember as a very small child, not just, you know, waking up in seemingly the middle of the night watching the Northern Lights, but that like pitch black, that sound of like giant ice just hitting one another and that I, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it, and you can't describe it. You you yeah. cannot give it do it justice. Especially, it's so cold in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it, it is phenomenally. Um, it feels like an ancient, ancient, ancient sound, you know. Mm-hmm. And then that's again the time that that epic time is is something that's always really you know fascinated me. Mm-hmm. So and anyway, but the, but the, the rattles themselves, you know, so in my, in my recurring dream, you know, I was terrified of them. There was, I had this dream and, and honestly, from the time I was three or could even speak, I would describe this dream to my mom that these, and I, I think I called them ghosts, but they were dancing in front of me and they look exactly they, they like the like rattles. eyes and they have, yeah, like, they have like eyes and horns. they have horns. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and they have no mouth. Well, they have that circle. At any rate, these, there was two of them always in my dream and they were always dancing in front of my face. And there was mute, there was drumming and there was singing, but I didn't know what that was. Right. I didn't even like, I hadn't experienced that at all mm-hmm. at that time. And, but now, you know, now that I've experienced tribal singing and drumming and ceremonial, it, I, that's exactly what it was. And so, you know, these, I would describe it to my mom and, and she never really had anything to say about it. She would just comfort me and, and whatnot. Cause I had, there were several recurring dreams. And, and so, you know, now um, having spent time with elders, um, you know, I know that these are power dreams, you know, and, and they're, they're, you know, gifts and you will, you'll know a power dream because you'll remember it forever. And, and those ones that you do remember forever are power dreams. And, and if you haven't made sense yet of it, it's amazing. I've had this happen to me several times now where it just, oh my gosh, this is it. This is exactly what that dream was about. But I don't know why I would be shown or anything. I don't know. I just, I, I, I just know that it, 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 it was, it signified a significant a milestone in my life. It certainly did there at teepees and telescopes mm-hmm. in the East smack dab in the middle of turtle, turtle Island. Mm-hmm. We were geologically and physically at the center of turtle Island. I about that. Yeah. 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 You know, within tens of kilometers, honestly. Oh, was, um, yeah. So, so you're talking about your, your, you know, this deep connection to your culture and your spirituality, but you're also kind of a scientist with a couple major comets, right? Named after you. Right. Yeah. I, right. We, you so didn't... how do you connect the, what is your. Okay. Well. Yeah. It's very strange how I came to science. It was never my dream to be a scientist. Um, I was one of those guys out there making like a telescope out of a ship's portal when I was 12, you know, I, I mean, science, all such, no, like, like <laughs> the, the diehard, you know, born astronomers were doing yeah. that. Um, but, you know, I, I just like to go to the science center and, you know, look at pictures of stuff and, but any science, it was, it was literally any science. It was all, you know, medical or biological or, you know, weather, loved weather and all that. So any just, and it was just to me, what was so fascinating was that I could know something that would tell me something else. You know, I could know something and draw, you know, conclusions that would amaze people who didn't know the other, you know, didn't know that. And so, you know, as a kid, you know, you like magicians and you like magic tricks and you like things that make you look, you know, cool and smart. And that's what science was to me. It was it was cool and smart. And 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 it did nifty. Yeah, it was cool and smart. And it did nifty things like like make my lego motors go and stuff like that <laughs> i actually destroyed lego to pull the motors out to make my own first robots of course you did <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all <laughs> so the the so i don't know why why but that's that was my early thinking of science and i just liked any kind of natural knowledge that mm. you know and then of course it was this you know i was born in 69 so all through the 70s was the launches to the moon. 
And so um, I was fascinated with anything to do with space and the, and the, and the fiery power watching those launches coming out the bottom of those rockets. There's this movie called Koyaanisqatsi, the Hopi word for life out of balance. And it's a fantastic, if you haven't, I'm sure. Put it in the show notes. Oh my gosh, you got to see it. Anyway, th- th- they do this cinematic shot of, of a rocket engine, like really close up and it, and, and just that power. So I remember drawing that. I would draw those things and I would make the sounds and I would just imagine the sheer force of energy that was going through these engines and stuff. That was, that was science to me. It was just cool. And it, it was powerful. You know how many astronomers and, and scientists came out of that time? <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, it, it absolutely. I so many people, I'm sure. So many, so many, and not just, not just scientists, but engineers, you know, doctors, like just anyone just, just, just who's curious to know and to see these people have the guts to put their life on the line to go, you know, out there. And then and that, you know, and I, you know, of course I was, I was being raised in, well, this was Edmonton when I was really young and, and not part of my nation, not part of my language group, none of my family, um, that was all replaced, um, with, uh, you know, settler city living and school and whatnot. And, um, and, you know, talk about immersion, right. Immersion school. Right. So, but, but I was clearly, I was always suspicious of, of things, not suspicious that they were there to harm me, but suspicious that there might be something that they could teach me that would help me. And that's that's how I looked at things. And, and if I couldn't figure out how something worked, it bothered me. It it really bothered me. Like it would, you know, until it would honestly later in life, it, it caused me depression. If I couldn't figure, if I couldn't make it work in my head that there, you know, and I've honestly had to come up with psychological techniques to calm that down. So, because I will spiral into a depression just because I can't figure out why, you know, Gerdell's incompleteness theorem actually proves incompleteness or something and like still that. to this day, you spiral out of... No, no, I have... <laughs> I've, I've learned the skill. I mean, I had to learn it in, in, in university when I was confronted with number theory and, you know, and, and some of them, you know, one of my courses honestly sent me into one of those month long spirals and I was black and white nightmare of, of, of math. Um, but it was like an initiation that I had to go through and I had to understand, um, pi is really what I was after, you know, and, mm. and, and Euler's identity, e to the i pi plus one equals zero. These five fundamental constants, the most common ones, all, all tied up in this nifty little bundle. And it's just an identity. Nobody <laughs> makes a big deal out of it. It's just one, whatever. Yeah, all good. Any, yeah. One, anything over itself is one. <laughs> Even the most incredible truth in the universe, divided by itself, is one. Is one. <laughs> <laughs> So how did you get into connecting science then with, with your culture? Well, I, I mean, honestly, that came about just supernaturally, (laughs) supernaturally. Imagine that. Um, I, I, I ended up not finishing high school. Okay. I had some real rough patch from the colonization, you know, detriments and, and they really sprung up when I was 15 hit the streets in Edmonton 
and um, yeah, hanging out with the you know the whole story, the, the the usual kid off the rails, and very angry, very self destructive, and um, yeah, and ended up getting kicked out of high school, getting kicked out of my home, so you know spent minor amounts of time on the streets, you know, you know, couch surfing and whatnot and, and, and very obliterated on drugs and booze. And so I, I ended up getting some treatment. Um, when I was 19, I went to Poundmakers Lodge and, and that was my first, well, not quite. When I was 15, I did go to a pipe ceremony up North with, with a very fascinating man named Joe Couture, uh, who, who my mom, uh, followed and, and went to see, um, and, and he did a pipe ceremony that connected me. So this is, so since you've asked this question, you, you, you <laughs> led me unbeknownst to myself uh-huh. to literally the connection. Okay. So what happened there was I was 15. I was pretty much off the rails by this time, but my mom still, um, uh, she as kind of a last ditch attempt. She wanted to take me up to see Joe and 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 it was the first and first time i had been you know an actual participant in ceremony i'd been around them i knew what they were i'd been around lots of lodges and pipes and whatnot but not as a participant i was a child right i was just in the background so this was the first time that i was an actual participant and client of you know of the of the lodge and so um you know, it was on in a teepee on, on the shores of Calling Lake on a beautiful spring day. And um, I remember the lodgeman, Joe Stone, standing over me with the pipe. And there were there was three other uh, people. So we were on the we we're in the cardinal points in the in the in the, in the lodge. It was a sunny day. And as he stood over me, I felt uh, a, uh, he was he was praying. Uh, I think in Cree and he uh, I felt a, a bolt of energy is you know the easiest simplest way to describe it, but it was much more than that but I felt something pass through me I couldn't tell whether it went through the ground up or down it was like lightning going through you yeah. right uh, it's sort of but not in a painful <laughs> flash like that but there was definitely a bolt of something like energy and a bolt of energy, yeah, seriously. Yeah. And and at the same, so as he was moving on to the next person, um, you know, he stood over us with the pipe and prayed and 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 would move on. And and you know, he had begun this maybe before we had been there and he had sweat with the pipe and whatnot. But you know, as he moved on to the next person, I remember the shadow of a bird. It was clearly an eagle cross in front of the sun over the lodge. And, and my question when I had gone there was what, you know, I wanted to, I'd heard that Indians had these spirit guides, you know, by this time, this is long after I'd read lame deer, uh, secret of visions, yeah. which we're going to talk about again. Yeah. But this is what I wanted to know. I mean, number one, is it true? And number two, <laughs> what's mine? Right. And it's a spirit animal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so that was my, my question. It was basically, who am I? Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, after, after the feast and whatnot, he, he takes you aside and, and, and tells you what he got out of it. And, and he said, well, you're born under the Eagle. And he said, I've never seen anyone 
born under the eagle like you said. So, so that's that part, he said. But, and my mom had gifted me a, a hand drum and an eagle, two eagle feathers, actually, um, uh, in, in honor of, of me participating in this. And, 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 he, and he pointed at those things. And he said, but this is what you came for. He didn't elaborate much. He did say, take good care of them. And he did say, they will treat you well. But there was no any deeper interpretation into the, this is what you came for. Because mm-hmm. in my mind, my entire attention, intention and attention were on the spirit, you know, guide thing. Yeah. Uh, and so that didn't make sense until much later as well. And I hope we do get to that part. Um, but but it's, it's, a, it's a ways to get there because it's many okay. years later. But that was my connection. That was my connection. And why was that my connection? Because I, my mom, it was a psychologist. She was widely read. She was, the entire house was littered in books and she would read all kinds of stuff. And so there was, I'd seen all kinds of crazy philosophy books and, you know, crystal power and, and, and Wicca and, and, and everything. And it was all cool. It was all like creepy story. Cool. Right. But I didn't buy any of it. I was this bunk mom, like, seriously, how can you believe any of this? Seriously. And we would have long philosophical conversations and, 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 you know, I'm so grateful to her for, you know, um, for, you know, putting up with my my incessant philosophizing and uh i did know what to call it i was just trying to make it make sense because it bothered me right it bothered me that the people could believe in something that wasn't true that just bothered me that really bothered me you know, especially when it affects other people and so on and so forth. So, so I really was this hardcore physicist, you know, born like just, I had to know the answer and it had to be concrete and, and I didn't want any wishy-washy nothing. It all had to make sense, you know, and, and that was really, so after, so then by at 12, this is sort of pre the, the pipe ceremony, <laughs> but I, I knew that my, sole intention in life was to understand the fabric of reality and the the absolute base most fundamental fabric of reality was and i wasn't gonna be happy until i did and and i remember having coming up with that after knowing after reading lame deer's seeker of visions about john fire lame deer's um lakota sioux amazing person uh whose story is well well worth reading and certainly um intrigued me to no end and and the dancing Wu Lee masters yes that classic <laughs> of the 80s uh, yeah. with lots of lots of quantum woo woo in there let me tell you quantum woo woo quantum woo woo right so so stuff that you know is people people have like hung a lot of weirdness around quantum mechanics you know and they, they, they like macrame and they they just hang stuff on it it's like because quantum 
predicts this weird thing or acts in this weird way, then I can just hang any kind of weird stuff on it. And it'll just, you know, it's, it's gotta be the answer. <laughs> right. Be. And so there's all kinds of woo woo on it. And, and, you know, a pop side book on it in the eighties was, you know, of course, right for doing that, but yeah. it did present the core, I guess, uh, tenets of, of the new physics. And of course, those fascinated me easily as much as the visionary part of lame deer. So for me, I wanted to experience both. I wanted to understand quantum, you know, as, you know, as well as I could. And I wanted to understand this visionary thing, this, this visionary process and this visionary uh, relationship that I should have if lame deer was right at all that I should have access to. Yeah. Yes. So, so that was really, and that was, that was when I was 12 or 13, you know, and, and then, you know, so by the time I was 15, I was, I was, a, I was a raging atheist. I could have been Richard Dawkins first. I mean, I seriously, and, and I, I wouldn't put up with any nonsense. And so, you know, my mom had to put up with me <laughs> and she, she was quite fond of some nonsense. <laughs> and, and, and she certainly was fond of Joe Couture and, and a lot of um, traditional um, uh, indigenous ceremony stuff mm -hmm. because she's, she spent most of her professional life working with indigenous communities in a healing capacity. So she, she had a, a deep fun. She was a deeply spiritual woman and, and, and really well um, educated and, and, and strong, you know, very, very strong spirit. The fact that somebody that, that I could look up to so much bought into so much stuff that I couldn't buy into was a problem. It was one of those problems that I couldn't solve. It was one of those ones that could drive me to depression. So it was like your brain was like the rattle. So you had like half of wanting, did you like this? Where I'm going with half of it was, I need to understand, figure out the answer to, to everything. The other half was like, okay, I need to kind of surrender that in a way. Absolutely. And that's a terrifying cross journey of, of whatever that, wherever that may take me and whatever knowledge is kind of gifted at me along the way. Yeah. Yeah, you, you put it very beautifully and I, I, I've never really kind of, but you, it makes a lot of sense. The sense that I've made of the rattles is that I think in the first, so I, for the first 18 months, nobody knows where I was. I was a ward of the government, but I came with a note. And the note was poorly written. The note was poorly written by somebody who really cared about me and wanted mm. the person who got me to know a few things. Do you want to back up a bit on, on what kind of, for listeners that may not know what that means? That I was adopted. So, so, uh, so I was, I was um, taken as a ward of the government, uh, you know, um, shortly after birth um, because my birth mother could not, you know, didn't have a home and couldn't provide what they thought was, you know, as, you know, a proper life. Mm -hmm. uh, although she already had two children, you know, she didn't have a home and uh, you know, other family members wanted to take me, but they also had, you know, eight or nine of their own at the time and mm -hmm. couldn't, and it just didn't work out. And I went through the cracks and out I went and, and so I, for 18 months was, you know, somewhere and we don't know where I was well fed. That's, 
I guess I came, I came through pretty <laughs> chubby. <laughs> little the chubby baby. But I was definitely broken. I cried. All I did was cry for nonstop oh. for like two or three years. Oh. And 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 I had these nightmares. And so I honestly I actually kind of have this thinking that that I may have been, you know, that somebody may had done ceremony over me or with me or mm-hmm. around me. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe protection, maybe you know, all of our ceremonies now, as as I know them and experience them, are all have all to do with healing and mm-hmm. and protection. And yeah. you know, so so I don't know, you know, but the the rattles were exactly, literally exactly like the ones we received. And I didn't even know they were rattles. They were just beings. They're just yeah. And they were definitely alive. I thought they were the ones singing. <laughs> But yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I feel like with you know with my rattle, I still don't know what you know yet to figure that out. But I the part outside of the uh, the 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 ice and the sound of the ice. But I remember Wilfred saying it is that uh, represents walking in two worlds or being in two worlds. And Mm. I like for me is like a mixed person that is you know how do I bring those worlds together and understand and kind of move between those two worlds to, to do good, hopefully. Yeah. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I went through all this stuff without thinking that I was part of it. So, so I had all, you know, my breakdowns and my drug addiction and my, you know, um, times of depression and whatnot. And that's all on me. You know, I blame myself for being weak and being, you know, not like, why am I just not like the other kids who can just keep their lives together? Like, and I just blame myself. And I didn't hear the words intergenerational trauma until I was, you know, 10 years into my career at university. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. And so you've probably heard other people say this, or I've certainly heard others say it. It's like, as soon as I heard there was a term, I was like, that's it. That's, that's what I got. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I started reading about it. And so, it, but I had already gone through a huge process of forgiveness and, and that was part of the healing. And, and that was a very traditional uh, teaching by my elder Maggie Hodgson, who, who really taught me the real meanings of, of like gratitude and humility and respect and in, in an indigenous way and not, you know, in a dictionary kind of way. And really what they mean, like, like physically, they mean something. And, and that fascinated me that, that, you know, there was a physical analog to these you know, very airy, you know, ideas, concepts, right? It's like math come to science, right? And it is, you know, it's it's not solely math and science that have this kind of connection. It's all of our language. It's all of our culture that that makes sense of our physical reality, you know, in some way. And and so there are physical correlations with with and and actions and and you know entire you know, parts of our, you know, everything refers, you know, to, to, to family, it refers to food and medicine. It refers, you know, so the big things, right. Oh. And, and you can, in our culture, you can literally point at it. That's the medicine. It's, yeah. You know, it's not some airy fairy concept. It's right here. This is how I made it and where I got yeah. it, you know, yeah. 
you know, one of the most fascinating is where does it come from? Where does the knowledge come from? Right. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, so I've always had a sense that the knowledge is new to me, but it's not new to everyone. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's new to a lot of people. Like this way of understanding science and and that more relational aspect of understanding science, right? The idea of humility, gratitude, and respect is maybe not often connected with science. Uh, how how do those connect with science? Well, I think of them as the way to go. That's how you start. You know, an engineer thinking about building something needs a good foundation. You know, it's a found as a foundational concept. It's basically can't be beat. So, I mean, just imagine you're going into you know, a new place that you've never been, uh, you know, as a, whatever, as some little animal going into a big scary forest. I mean, your best chance of survival is being very humble, like knowing what you can do and what you can't do and, and, um, respecting, you know, all these things that you have very little knowledge of around you and, and just being grateful, you know, for, for, for your next breath, really for right now. But the gratitude part, look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, you're just a little ball of humility, respect, and gratitude right there. Um, and, and you know, but but then, so in any situation, what I'm saying, like this, that's as an imagining, you know, um, but you can do countless thought experiments where you can prove to yourself that, that, that this course of, you know, as starting out point for every intended action. Um, even if you just, you know, you know, fleetingly, you know, pay a little bit of attention to each one. Um, you know, we, you, you just, you, you can't do one thing all the time or you'll never get anything else done. So you can't spend all your time being humble, gracious and, and, and respectful. You've got to actually get something done. But as a foundational principle on where to start and, 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 as long, and if you form your intentions, you know, and cast your attentions in a way using these as a principle, you know, um, they're a teaching for a reason, right? I always find mm -hmm. that the indigenous teachings that mean so much to me or that the teachings that come from elders that are the ones that keep coming up. And I just find like, I'm like, oh, this is just another part of that teaching. And this is just more like this is, is and it's, it's incredible how some of these simple teachings are so wide reaching and so fundamental and, and can just be used in any situation. And, and so, I mean, obviously good manners. We're taught, you know, as youth mm -hmm. in every culture to, 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 to have good manners, but this is physical manners. So physically, you know, playing your role so that, you know, let's say you are an engineer and, and your role is to figure out which bolt is going to hold this together. You know, if you don't do that properly, you know, and, and humbly. So your your humility is doing it, you know, the way you were taught and properly and and dotting and crossing where needed, you know, and and but you don't need a lot of respect. Well, you do. You need respect for the materials and you respect for the budget. You need respect for your boss, things like that. But those are maybe not gratitude. So the gratitude part is, 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 um, it's kind of, you know, how we talk about, you know, everything turns in a cycle, you know, that is sort of the back end of it's, it's kind of your gratitude. You know, that you're going to be grateful for, you should be going into this, you know, you don't know what you're going to get, you know, what you're hoping for, 
you know, but you're going to get something, you're, you know, out of anything that you do, any interaction that you have, there's give and take, it's all reciprocal, you're going to get something out of it. And, and so if you start out humbly and, and respectfully and, and, and with this uh, intention, you know, that, that what you're going to receive, you know, you're going to receive something. And, you know, in the teachings, you, you, everything is a gift, whether you like it or not, it's a gift. And, and the idea behind the gift is that you look at it, you, you take it, you kind of turn it around, you look, you think about it, all your reactions to it, whatnot, take what you can and then give it on what you understood of it, you know, because that's what makes and that's it a that gift. responsibility to knowledge right. you're talking about, right? And you're not going to keep it. You're not keeping any of it. You showed up with nothing. You're going home with nothing. Okay. You just get to borrow all this stuff for a little while while you're here. Well, you're so, on this earth, right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, I just, so as a, you know, if we, so honestly, Western modern science is not the furthest thing you can be from humble and respectful and gracious. It is, uh, it is a, you know, a brute force taking uh, of knowledge without any respect, with, with zero and zero intention of being respectful or grateful or reciprocal or reciprocal in any way. We just, we're just know what we know. We're going to do what we do and to hell with everything else. That is sort of the mindset of science. It's like, we just must know. We, we, you know, we, we give ourselves the right to know. And we're going to know no matter what, whether it's good or bad. I mean, like the good or bad all is all the knowledge from everywhere. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And, but there's no real intention, you know, this, this, this invariably, you know, technologies are used, are weaponized and, you know, used because to the Western mind, everything is a front. Everything is fear. It's, it's basically a fearful outlook. Um, you're, you're terrified of losing what you got for one thing and getting and where am I going to get more? Mm -hmm. And, and every single thing that goes, that is slightly against you or doesn't like go with giving you more and getting more is an affront and it needs to be dealt with in the sternest and quickest and, and, and harshest way, because yeah. I will not be deterred. I'm the center of the universe. Nothing else is alive. And I'm just going to take whatever I want, whenever I want. And do whatever the hell I want with it. Let's get, I know this is a, this sounds really bad, and it's not. I don't. That's not anyone's intention. I mean, people, all the all the scientists I've met, you know, and known and loved, you know, this is not what they're like. That is no, not. They go into it in. for yeah. But yeah. if it looked at as a whole, that's what it looks like from yeah. say an indigenous point of view, mm -hmm. and and. I don't think that any of these teachings are, it's certainly not to scold, you know, and this was made uh, um, by one of my elders was told, you know, it's not to scold you. It is literally just to inform you. Like mm -hmm. you're not supposed to take it personally as a personal front that, you know, that this is the way things are done in, in modern society. It's, it's not an attack. It's, it's that... Well, if you think about it, this other way, you could still get where you're going and add a little bit more to it. You know, it, it becomes a little stronger, more authentic and, and, and well thought out. 
So really, and, and every professional does this. Most professionals are very humble and, and know what they can do and, 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 and how to deliver what, what they're asked to and whatnot. So people truly are humble. They, they are, you know, play their role. The fact is that we would not know what humility was if we couldn't see what it wasn't. Mm. In fact, this is true of everything. The idea of the word measure, you know, and goes back to Emmaus um, and Sura, which is to compare things, right? Every measurement is a comparison. So mm-hmm. you need two things to compare to even make a measurement. And and that's what gives things their relativity. I mean, relative to this, this is how, you know, how many bananas big is that, you know, in, on Reddit? I mean, <laughs> so like, so everything is a measurement. Every measurement is, is, is a, is a comparison. Yeah. And, and that's how we define things. Like we, you know, we define things like, well, you know, what do the English call a stove? They call it a cooker. That's what it does. You know, they should call their dogs barkers, but <laughs> toaster, you know, these simplest kinds of things, yeah. but all meaning comes from that. Like we couldn't make anything mean anything without comparing it to other things. So we know yeah. love versus in fact, the opposite of love is not hate. Hate is just different love, but indifference. Now, that's mm. very different from love. Mm. Um, and okay. I've been told that indifference is the opposite of love. But, you know, this idea that things have an opposite has always fascinated me as well. Does everything have an opposite? Mm-hmm. Is there an inverse or a reverse? And, you know, you can imagine playing a movie backwards and, you know, things like that, or the laws of physics literally work in both directions, no problem. Um, but the meaning isn't the same going backwards as going forwards. You made me think there for a second. Well, what if um, you forgot that? So that means I'm forgetting <laughs> my lesson. I'm forgetting who I am. I'm becoming less and, yeah. you know, going backwards, mm. you know, it, mm. the, the, it's not a mirror, right? No. Like you can see the physics, the physical things going backwards in time but how do the mental processes go backwards how do the emotions go backwards how do the how does the learning get unlearned how does information disappear right so mm-hmm. i think that the humility respect and gratitude um just as a core principle and you know as inseparable entities that are bound up in this this relationship as we're elders all over the world in first nations all over the world talk about this as being the way to go this is the start this is how mm-hmm. you start everything and and in in my life i've seen things blow up when i don't form my intentions well and don't Pay, be respectful and and certainly if you're not gracious or yeah. you know at least polite you know everything falls apart it really is yeah. really quickly yeah. so so I, I i take that you know it does seem very like like a non-physical thing but i take all of that there is i mean there is actually schools of thought that you know morals really do come from physics there are things that you shouldn't shouldn't do physically mm-hmm. you know that's um, interesting the yeah. the idea of you were going back to to measurement, what you can measure, and and yeah. kind of that more standardized, uh, I guess, definition of, of science. That more modern, maybe global sciences, may, maybe more restrictive measurements or definitions that maybe don't as overtly include gratitude, humility, and respect. But would quantum be more of a way to embrace that? I think quantum, when, when you know, yes. Yes, in fact, it does, because it completely brings you 
your mind to confront ideas that you didn't think were physically possible. Mm-hmm. And, and opening your mind um, in some way to, to a, a new way of thinking is always beneficial, especially when it's literally the best physical theory that's ever been proposed. <laughs> now, it's a model. Yeah, it's yeah. a model. And yeah. all models are wrong, right? We go into things knowing that models are wrong, that we're going to get it wrong. There's no way to get it right because we don't know everything. You're literally are bound to screw it up. And your model, no matter, you know, we, in science, we like Occam's razor. We like to make it as simple without, you know, as simple as it needs to be and as complex as it needs to be and no more. You know, you don't want to hang a lot of weirdness on it. It just, just, it just needs to be this and that's, that's all it needs. And, and, you know, the simplest explanation, you know, is quite often, you know, closest to the, to the reality. And really, you know, the model, the, the accurate model is right here in front of us, the world. It's mm-hmm. operating perfectly, you know, all the time. And so we model things so that we can predict things, you know, and, and have theories. And so we have theoretical knowledge and this empirical knowledge just by trying and doing. But there's two other ways of knowing. You can be shown, taught, right? Or, well, you can be taught, let's say, or you can be shown. And I use shown sort of as in, not necessarily parentheses, but shown, I've been shown things, okay? And 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 this is the visionary stuff that I was reading about in, in Lame Deer, where you ask, you're just asking the universe, and you pray about it, and you think about it, perhaps for years, like I have some of the things. And it comes to you. It, it comes to you, and it literally came to me, you know, about a number of things. One of my clearest um, and most recent sort of, and it's not like an epiphany. I've had epiphanies. I've had scientific epiphanies where I've figured out how to solve this problem. And I was yeah, like, wow, you know, yeah. it's a, a huge, like, it's, it's a big yeah. relief and it's a big thing. And, and it is a big thing, but yeah. this ain't that. Yeah. Okay. This is being shown. You're actually, it's almost like, it's almost like it's being, um, yeah, like presented to you. It presented to yeah. you. It's yeah. not like you have a choice either. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you get this all knowing sense of what's being said the, in the moment. And in, in my experience, you know, one of my teachings that came to me in this way is everything is reflection. And it, I mean, it's so simple to say everything is reflection. And then we can kind of think about it, you know, energy is just bouncing around off things. And that's what we measure and see. And so everything really is a reflection. You know, it's just energy reflecting off of energy. And okay, good. So what? But when I was having this, being shown this and being told this, it was an all-knowing, it was like a fundamental truth about reality that, you know, I didn't know, you know, I hadn't really had that thought before or whatever. This wasn't like, you know, daydreaming, coming up with a new idea, like for a story or a book or an art piece or anything. It wasn't like this, not like it's something else put it there. And I needed to know this. And, and, and it's, and it's something that I literally cannot forget. It, it, it echoes in my, (laughs) in my mind and my heart. And in every situation, I'm like, well, you know, what is this reflecting? What am I, you know, what, so that's another way of knowing, being shown things. And so, you know, Hal has talked about it. Many, many elders have talked about, you know, we just get things in dreams. We get things in ceremony. We get gifted 
with the knowledge that we're, we're seeking. In all of those ceremonial senses, you got to bring your humility, respect, and gratitude in yeah. heaps for realsies. Like, <laughs> for realsies. <laughs> like, yeah. No pretending. Yeah. And when you do, you, you're rewarded. So I've recently, you know, I went to a beaver bundle opening. One of my family members is a beaver bundle keeper. And, and I went to the, the opening. It was just a, it's only the second time I've been to that ceremony. And it's a tough, it's an all day. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's, yeah. it, it's honestly quite, quite the, the feat to endure. And you see these, these elders and old men in there just laughing and smiling, <laughs> sitting on the ground for nine hours. And I'm like, I gotta get out of here. I'm dying, you know, <laughs> but, you know, and, but I force, you know, I really, really push myself to just be as, you know, just be here now, just do this. This is what it is. This is ceremony. And, 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 and the reward afterwards um, is, you know, I'm not going to get into it, but it was, it was pretty significant. So, yeah. 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 And we go there, we go there with the full intention of, of suffering and sacrificing our day and our time and our energy to put into these prayers and these, these offerings together. Mm -hmm together and we know we're not doing it alone and we're all praying together and yeah it's fantastic honestly i i look at ceremony as as our highest forms of technology these are technology these are ways of knowing comparable to observatories you know modern observatories they're you know specifically oriented with respect to the directions the cardinal directions they're specifically built for a specific purpose with uh, you know incredibly you know intricate and precise instruments inside mm-hmm. and and with a very you know lifelong knowledgeable person using those instruments to gain knowledge so yeah. I, I, they're they are literally the same thing yeah and i think that's something way. that's that's maybe very new to a lot of people that you know we often say there's a book or a journal article or you go to a conference to learn something where these are where you maybe you see or you experience something that's more physical because it's uh, those are uh, tangible, maybe yeah, more objective yeah. ways that that we learn things, um, but within indigenous ways of knowing, there's equally as valid as you were talking about ways of being shown or gifted uh, knowledges that are significant, as you were saying, that are in dreams, that are in ceremony, that are like you were saying, visions or, mm. or showing. Like we were we were kind of briefly talked about quantum and how it reminds me of what Dr. Leroy Littlebear from Ghana Nation said when we were back when we were got to do Quantum Sandbox, such a really cool experience that oh, uh, the, the experience of a lifetime to work with him. Yes, I yeah. know. It's just I remember every time sitting down with both of you and just like just giddy, <laughs> like what have I other today? I, I couldn't explain half the time or have a conversation because I was just in awe and like it was a mic drop every every time we had a conversation about quantum. But I think the thing that I really liked about having those conversations about quantum and connecting indigenous ways of knowing and, and those those very subjective and spiritual ways of being gifted knowledge uh, alongside uh, more uh, objective and, and standardized ways of understanding science uh, was talking about the emission absorption spectrum mm. and how, how Leroy described that. I don't know. Did, did you want to well, I remember too. Yes, I mean he described a number of things. Yeah. His treatment of the Higgs boson still gives me shivers. Right. But but this the spectra, the emission and, and absorption spectra. This is a very very 
prime and an appropriate example of of the exchange of energy, right? Mm-hmm. So gases absorbing, you know, light of a certain wavelength and emitting light of their own. And so absorbing and emitting, right? Like taking and giving. But then also, you know, there's a, there's a, a bandwidth, right? You know, like we can only, you know, see light waves from 400 to 700 nanometers, for instance. But many other animals, FM radio, or in the radio, right? The radio is the same thing. Another bandwidth, you can tune your radio to a certain number of frequencies, and the frequencies go on forever in both directions off your dial. Um, But your technology doesn't receive those, so you can build another receiver. You know, before you have technology, you have your other instruments are are your animal friends, your relatives who are around you that can see those things. And hey, why don't you just ask them? You know, and you know, what do you see? You know, bluer than my blue. Uh, you you could ask the the insects, perhaps. You know, yeah. or, or what, what what can I see redder than red? You know, that you would ask the moles, for instance. You know, you know, they would tell you heat and and ultraviolet, and we sense heat uh, like we, with our skin. I mean, we don't call it sight, but it literally is no different. You're just sensing electromagnetic waves with your skin rather than mm-hmm. your retinas, but we don't call it seeing. Um, but so, so these, these, the idea of frequency wave bands and spectra, you know, because in quantum, everything is a, a wave is wavelet waves in, in an infinite field. It's also where, you know, the, the idea that, that Leroy has really put some really good, um, flesh to is, is the idea of the flux, you know, and that this, and he has identified, you know, this is where our thinking connects with quantum measurements and the measurement problem and, and, and <clears throat> things like that. So measurements being, I think of them as, as glints of light off of the flux. And the flux is what's really going on. You can't see the flux. The flux is abstract and multidimensional. But you can take measurements and and get, you know, glean some instantaneous knowledge of what the flux was doing at that moment. And then in Western science, we kind of think, well, if we just keep taking enough pictures and build up a picture of what happens in every instance, since instance, then we'll know what the flux is. We'll have a picture of the flux. And that's not true. You'll have a bunch of instantaneous measurements, but the flux has already changed. It is now completely different. In fact, you thinking you have this complete picture of the flux is now part of the flux. So I it mean, means everything is always changing all of the time. All of the time, ways. everywhere in infinite. And that well, not that infinite, no, not infinite ways, because that would take an infinite amount of time. But everything is yeah. always changing. Everything is so always moment changing. That moment that you Literally take everything. that snapshot, yeah. that's like global Western scientific snapshot of yeah. that moment to to understand it better, it's already changed. And you know what he says about relation, you know, you know, Western science happens when you make a measurement. That's mm-hmm. and you can't do science without being able to make a measurement and, you know, plot a graph. And mm-hmm. clearly that's not true because we've been doing science for many millennia without any numbers or or, or measurements. Yeah. The the idea is that the flux it can be measured. You can get aspects of it and you can see, you know, some of the fundamentally. So in science, we idealize everything down into, you know, assume it's spherical and, you know, mm-hmm. get rid of all the, the rough edges and just ideally what would happen. And we're still interested in the relationship, right? When we're colliding particles or bricks or whatever cars, we're interested in the relationship. What is this going to do to this when this happens? But the relationship that 
Leroy is talking about is is a real relationship. Like when you have a relationship with your dog or your family members or your friends or your lovers, that's a relationship. It's your body. It's your mind. You think about them all the time. It's your heart. It's your, you know, your emotional centers and it's your spiritual energy. It's what, you know, gets you up in the morning. It's what keeps you going to work. It's what keeps you happy. It's, it's your energy. So much more depth than just the that's right. And so a real measurement is having a relationship. I mean, that's, it's, you don't, you're just constantly taking measurement. When you're in a relationship with somebody, you're always watching their, for their moods and their ideas, what they thought of that, yeah. even unspoken things and whatnot. So that's a relationship. That's science. That's us doing science. That's how our science goes. The wave and frequency thing, we cannot, there's no way of overstating how close that is to a lot of our what has been called by by a non-indigenous physicist uh, f david pete wrote a book called blackfoot physics physics yeah and i love to use that term because it does sort of differentiate um between this relationship that the western scientists are looking for Mm -hmm. and the actual relationship that that we're talking about they're not the same but the, the the they're after the same truth. This is the thing. They're after the mm-hmm. same truth. And the best theory so far is quantum theory. And it is even most elders who hear it, you know, would say, yeah, I mean, they're kind of on it. In fact, the most important part of it that seems very, very uh, like our knowledge and ways of knowing is the non-locality part where the information can be in multiple places, multiple places. And this is like the idea of number that we were talking about before, where number is not a concrete thing at all. It's airy-fairy, it's everywhere. It's just a concept. And and so knowledge can be like that. And so why can't it just be here instead of somewhere else, you know? Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. forming the, the relationship to get that information there is is the science that you do and and so you go out and you and you you seek it you form your intention you cast your attentions and i'm firmly convinced that's all we are that's all we have everything else is irrelevant essentially everything can be reduced to intention and attention that's all you got you and you balance it out if you cast if you spend all your time forming intention you'll never do anything because you're not paying attention but if you pay, spend all your time paying attention, you can't come up with ideas and new things to do. So you need to balance this all the time mm-hmm. and, you know, and with respect to each thing. And so that intention and attention, you know, if you think of yourself as, well, I'm a spirit. Well, the spirit, you know, you know, in our teachings, you know, we're gifted with this spirit that has choice. Rocks don't make mistakes. No rock has ever made a single mistake ever and never will. They're not allowed to because they don't have choice. So, you know, we have this power to choose. And the only things that we have to choose with are our intention and attention. Mm-hmm. You just, you know, you, you're just given an, you know, a, 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 an audible question and you're just this free-floating mind like you you can pay attention to parts of it and not other parts and, and you can form an intention. But you don't need a body. You don't need a, anything. You're just intention and attention, and it, and it can you can do that emotionally. You can do it mentally. You can do it physically, and you can do it spiritually. It made me think there as, as uh, about something that Willie Irmine said about how there's a there are all these different worlds that are on different levels, and that our our thoughts are on a on a on a different level, and 
like that mental level and there's that all that spiritual level um is that quantum would that be quantum well sort of connected sort of it is because the fundamental um forces of nature of which there are three Mm -hmm. not four like you've been told gravity is not a force gravity is an effect but the, the the three, you know, the strong nuclear force, the weak nuclear force, and the electromagnetic force, these are like, they're, they're really similar. They have, you know, uh, attractive and repulsive parts, and they have, you know, different ranges. So they are really on different scales. So the strong nuclear force, you know, keeps quarks together in the, in the proton, but what keeps a bunch of protons together and not, you know, fissioning into... Um, into parts is is the weak nuclear force holding the nucleus together and then the electromagnetic force is how everything interacts with everything else um gravity is just there to guide it along the way um it's doesn't seem to me Mm. you know in particle Mm -hmm. physicists well they, they talk about this graviton you know the particle of gravity as if you know, gravity could be quantized and this is not seen anywhere. Nobody's found the graviton. Nobody's even proposing experiments to find the graviton. <laughs> um, it, but they just, because everything else is quantum, they assume that this must be quantum. Um, and there's, it, it, it may well be, but it may be that part of the universe that is infinitely differentiable, that is infinitely smooth and can not be broken down. Um, and you know, gravity, you know, as, and these forces, like you say, on different levels, right? So we know that electrons are, you know, a disturbance in the electromagnetic field mm-hmm. and that, but there's a field for everything. All, every fundamental particle has its own field and they really, some fields do not interact with others. And, you know, some particles interact with some fields, but not others. And so, so some people, you know, interact with music and, and not sports. Or some people, you know, interact with these things and things that, that excite you. That's you're, you're an element of that kind, that that kind of thing excites you. And, you know, you absorb sports and you admit sports and you're all about sports or you're, <laughs> you're totally, you know, absorbing music or emitting music or all about music, you know. And, and I really say like, like humans really are mm-hmm. like, like quantum processors. They're, you know, they're the quantum particles almost like, mm-hmm. I think of yeah, people as like molecules. <laughs> And I really think that, you know, we think of, you know, certainly in hardcore quantum physics, the quantum processes truly are happening at very, very tiny scales. Mm-hmm. And and that, of course, is true with the physical energy of these small little things. But there's no thing that says that emotional stuff isn't quantum, you know. And emotion, you know, we know it's bigger than the body. When people enter a room and you can feel their depression or you can feel their love yeah. or you can feel their happiness, you know, emotion, we're bigger than our body. Yeah. We're, yeah. you know, we're these big fields. And so just reading a paper yesterday about um, you know, neuroscience, they're always measuring a brain or taking, you know, asking it a question. They're, they're just measuring one person. But now they're putting, you know, two people together and they're imaging both their brains at the same time and they're watching them synchronize, the brain frequencies synchronize just because they're interacting. And of course, I mean, this shouldn't be surprising at all. Like we, people that, you know, um, people, you know, the way to make, win friends and, and influence people is is to be like them. 
and and is to smile a lot and 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 sympathize with everything they're saying and then they'll like you and then you can make them do things <laughs> like the uh that was it the toastmasters and some <laughs> dale carnegie references <laughs> <It's great>. <laughs> <laughs> but these are all ways of knowing and, and western science really only pays attention to physical ways of knowing and mental ways of knowing and that's mm -hmm. great that's half the universe you got yeah. half the battle there the Bring rest balance is right you're gonna be right? whack out of balance when yeah. when you get you know, hit with an emotional problem that you have no idea what you're doing and it can cast you just completely off the rails. Yeah. And that's right. That like there is a such, but why not have right a now. science of emotion or a science of yeah. spirit that, and, and these are these, this is what ceremony is. Science? Yeah. Just take right. care of all of it all at once. Yeah. You know what? Can I ask you one more question, but we log sure. back in. Yeah. We yeah. have four minutes, okay. and then, and then I think we should do a second part because I do have AI questions that I want to talk AI. I, I know, totally so talk I, AI. Yeah. I, because it is eight forty six. We don't have a lot of time, but there's one more question okay. I want to ask that I don't yeah. want to rush in four minutes. Do you think quantum can allow for a better understanding of indigenous science or indigenous ways of knowing? Absolutely. I mean, that's how I came to it. Honestly, it was my understanding of the standard model, particle physics and, you know, cosmology and, 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 and quantum theory that, you know, like I said, you know, those two books, they were, they were, they were like in two different directions, like, like the visionary, you know, um, you know, shamanism type idea of seeing the world and, and getting knowledge. And then the quantum, you know, hardest core science you can do. It really, you know, and 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 that's the way I went. That's, you know, I got I got I got pulled off and 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 did astrophysics. And, and but I needed it. If I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be back in the circle. Hmm. I am I'm not a person given to belief I, I belief is an abhorrent thing to me belief is belief is like let's pretend it's childish um and it's irrelevant it's like your opinion and that ain't the truth uh we go into it knowing that your opinion is not the truth <laughs> the truth <laughs> is yet to be found or perhaps but it certainly isn't your opinion. And I know that going in or my opinion for that matter. So I really took it to heart. You know, I did go through an atheist phase after university and thinking that, that you know, science is it. This is it. There's, there's no spiritual woo woo, nothing. And, but there's and quantum woo woo. There was quantum woo woo. Right. <laughs> so, but it really has helped me. Um, to, you know, because I was having these experiences in ceremony, which I couldn't explain. And that bothered me. I told you things that I can't explain seriously bother me, mm -hmm. like physically depress me, you know, like, well, take me out <laughs> if I can't figure them out or make it work somehow. And, and, and I had a lot of things that, that weren't working in my life. You know, when I found, when I, you know, first, um, you know, told my, my mom that I'd found my birth family. And she said, well, I think this will make you a more integrated person, Rob. And I was just, I, it, I was so angry. I didn't say anything to her at the time. I, I was really offended. And I thought this was a huge affront because well, good 
God, mom, you know, like I'm an astrophysicist, discoveries, you know, on a mortgage and a raised family. I think I'm a pretty well integrated person <laughs> for, for what I've gone through. And, and, and of course she was right. She, she mostly is. She's a yeah. lot like, like Maggie in that way. And, and she's quite prophetically brilliant. And she, so she was right. It has made me a more integrated person, but it was, I, but integrated is the idea. You know, I had to add up all these things. That's what integration is, is adding everything together and integrating yeah. um, who, you know, my heritage and, and my culture and, 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 and knowledge in an indigenous way. And these experiences that I was having that I hid no other way of explaining. Okay. So when you have a vision and ceremony, and you're a hardcore physicist. I mean, you're like the guy who saw a UFO, right? It's like, who's going to believe me? And I finally realized it literally doesn't matter who believes me. It doesn't matter if anyone believes me because I don't have any belief, okay? I have no need for belief. What I replace it with and what I have instead is experience and knowledge. And those are going to trump belief every day of the week, Okay. If you have experience and your experiential knowledge of something, you have no reason or need for belief whatsoever or faith, whatever you want to call it. But experience and knowledge are, are so real. They may not be the same as somebody else's. And when we're in ceremony, you know, a spirit can come in the lodge and they're going to have a different message for everyone. They're going to look like something else to everyone. And... You know, in, in physics, I, I'm, I'm reminded of an article that was called The One Electron Universe. And, and this gets down into some pretty esoteric um, field theory stuff. But because electrons, you cannot, you literally cannot tell them apart. There might as well only be one that's, say, a multidimensional electron that just happens to be wherever you need it to be, whenever it needs to be, because it's, mm -hmm. you know, in a much higher dimension, say, a 10-dimensional universe rather yeah rather than a three so a 10 dimensional electron will take care of every electron we are ever going to need in our three dimensions and then some so the one electron universe you know this idea that a spirit you know can appear differently to each participant in a ceremony and have a different message for each one some people say well many spirits came in or whatever whatever you need to do to make it work in your head yeah, yeah. you know but as a you know my elders teach me it's just you know, it's usually one or two or three grandfathers that come in. It's not, it's not, it's not hundreds. It's a heck of a lodge. Well, maybe. I mean, <laughs> Ooh, they, I they are, yeah. yeah. A lot of pipes. It's a big smoke. That's, that's a lot of pipes. <laughs> but the, the, the idea, so, so it helped me come to my understanding of, of, of my culture. <laughs> and, and, and that has served me so well. And, and, you know, I often look back at, at my physical um, education in, in physics as it's, it's a nice core. It's a nice, yeah, that's, that's the body part of it. Mm -hmm. And then all the thinking and the ways to think and, and critical thinking and making arguments and improving things, that's the mental part. That's half the universe. The rest yeah. is yet yeah. to be integrated into that. And so my my mm -hmm. journey into my culture and, and back into my heritage, my family, really is that the emotional and spiritual part that I've been missing my whole life. And 
I always thought of this as as basically bullshit for one thing. <laughs> and for another, it wasn't going to make any sense, no rational sense for God's sake, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. some it's just chaotic woo-woo <laughs> BS anyway. And it ain't like that. Let me tell you, it makes really good sense. Mm-hmm. And it's really strong. It's really powerful. It's just as powerful as any kind of physical knowledge or technology. Yep. is being able to have emotional and spiritual technologies and knowledge that that also overcome yet greater problems. Yeah. Yeah, and if you only have you think of if you're only learning the the mental and physical ways of knowing, mm-hmm. what are you missing out when you're not yeah. looking at, you know, the that's one side, right? That's one side of the mask. And the other side, what are we missing? That imbalance of that, that emotional, that spiritual. And I've always taken it to heart to be, exactly, to be a physicist, you need to be open to all of it. You don't just Mm -hmm. take the part, you know, and closing your mind, you know, completely to anything like being an atheist or closing, you know, closing your mind to anything is a very non-scientific thing to do. If you're truly after the truth, you got to be open to pretty much everything. I really see the value in our academy uh, of science that, that you know has been built up in the West. Mm-hmm. It it is truly amazing in its own right, and I mean I'm very very fond of it. But I you know coming to you know when you're young in it when you're a novice and you think it is everything, and then to find out that it isn't, it, it's a growing up, it's a maturing yeah. that you uh-huh. realize that your dog ain't gonna last forever, yeah. your parents are gonna last forever, and nothing's going to last forever, you know? And, and these are, you know, maturing, you know, a maturing person. And, um, and so I, you know, I could say, I, I, I really do have no regrets, uh, although I, you know, had many regrettable situations and whatnot, but I don't regret them. And, yeah. and I've forgiven myself for, for all my, you know, previous on scientific ways. I feel that I'm a much more integrated and fuller scientific mind now than, than I have ever been. And, and, and of course I'm not doing, you know, research science in, in physics anymore or astrophysics as a job. I'm doing it with people in my nation, my relations, like my relatives. And which is like real work. I feel, yeah, you know, you think of the, wonderful. often so, the work that you do and you know, the research work is, you know, Let's be honest. How many people really get to 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 read or understand that work? And when you're in community and you're doing the work every day with humans, that's making massive impact on a daily basis, right? Yeah, exactly. And and it's just the you know I was given a gift, and and now I'm just trying to keep it as a gift, just giving it on, and and that's the teaching that I received. The reciprocity. The reciprocity. Yeah. yeah. That was a good uh, full circle we did there. It was. Yeah. That was pretty yeah. good to that come was good. up at the end. That was nice. That was nice. Um, so, but I, yeah, if I would love to do the AI thing, that it almost deserves its own hour, really. Well, I think I think this is a stay tuned because yeah, it's it's interesting. I know uh, we've had conversations right when I think we went for lunch right when Chat GPT just kind of came out and and thinking about that and thinking about how that affects i don't know how that affects time and cycles and and quantum and and indigenous science i think there's there's a lot to talk about there that i think deserves a part too so i think that's a stay tuned for 
Part it, it really does, because this is actually, you know, this is an existential threat confronting humanity. And this is mm-hmm. where you need spiritual guidance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and um, and, you know, it's it's one of the few times uh, that uh, that I'm actually afraid It's one of the few things that actually makes me afraid for humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if nukes didn't do it for me in the seventies, you know, eighties, <laughs> whatnot. Um, next? You know, and or asteroids hitting the Earth, or comets, or or you know, the solar flares. You know, oh, there's plenty. To, there's plenty. Lot, there's eh? plenty of things to be existentially, you know, existentially mm-hmm. fearful of, and none of them, you know, bother me at all. Not even climate change. I'm I'm serious. This is a huge opportunity. Um, I think that for the time to, scale and how it's how it's uh, changing so quickly and well, if you wanted to know how to teach seven billion people all at once where they went wrong and and what they're doing wrong, this is about the perfect way to do it. <laughs> Just show oh them, gosh. Just show them. Ah, oh. and you know because that's natural. That this yeah. is the natural outcome. Of, mm-hmm. of an imbalance like this. And there I don't think that's regrettable. It, you, you know, it's, it's a way of knowing. I mean, this is, this, we're living through, you know, an actual scientific experiment that is going to teach a lot of people a lot of things. And it ain't going to be us. It's going to be, you know, people after yeah. us. Yeah. So, no. I mean, I, I shudder yeah. to think of what they're going to say about us, that how horrible we must be monsters in their history books. You know, I'm talking about future history books. Yeah. Yeah. We're the yeah, monsters. Absolutely. And those are, we're the Nazis. We're the ones who oh, no. did this. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think definitely deserves a conversation because uh, totally. I'm curious on your thoughts and, and yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Rob. Always a yes. pleasure. Wonderful. Thank you so, so much, much for the opportunity for asking me. It's a big honor. And I love the responsibility. That's the thing that makes the honor good now. There you go. You know, responsibility, the reciprocity, and we're giving back. So yeah, stay tuned for for episode two, part two, part two of whatever ep- this two is episode two. four with Rob Cardinal. <laughs> okay, Rob. All right. Thank Take you care. So much. Yeah, we'll talk su- super Thank soon. Yeah. Right. Bye. Hi. hand to heart for listening thank you so much if you enjoyed this podcast please like comment subscribe leave a review i don't know what there else there is but you can do it and we appreciate it we love it again there's some really cool awesome indigenous science merch link in the show notes or go to relational science circle all one word.com forward slash shop again the profits go towards elder honoraria supporting knowledge keepers editing thank you email starlight and just keeping the podcast going so we can keep having really cool conversations and having fun and learning about indigenous science also thanks to blue marble space institute of science and cosmic deer dancer for their support and sponsorship so there's no word for goodbye in cree so we say see you again kito mina have a lovely wonderful day hi hi